You're listening to The Brave Yes, the show where we explore the many brave yes leaps that heart-centered, passionate women can make in order to show up in this world more fully as you, without apology. I'm your host, Sean Fink, a coach for rising women leaders, creatives, and entrepreneurs who are ready to lead with authenticity and courage. Whether it's changing jobs or trying a new industry, starting a business or writing a book or creating a new offering or program for your business, scary slash exciting changes are hard to do alone. I am here to guide you through choosing and experiencing the spiritual and the strategic parts of the emotional roller coaster that happens when you choose to do something scary and life-giving otherwise known as the Brave Yes. This episode is brought to you by the Brave Yes Newsletter, a free weekly email to inspire your own Brave Yes journey. The newsletter, along with this podcast, are designed to inspire your own creativity and courage to living, creating, and leading life your way. When you sign up, you'll instantly receive my 10 Brave Yes Living Tips to start putting into action in your own life and journey. A link to subscribe will be in the show notes or head over to seanfink.com. Hey there, everybody. Today, my guest is Amelia Butler. Amelia Butler is an indigenous Maori performer, dancer, and choreographer from New Zealand. She has been teaching and performing dance at an international level for over 20 years. She founded and leads the Los Angeles-based traditional Maori performance group and teaches the Maori language via video chat through her company, Learn Maori Abroad. Welcome, Amelia. Thank you so much, Sean. Thanks for having me here today. I am excited to dig into your Brave Yes journey. But first, before we do that, I always love to ask my guests uh, a question that kind of is all about the state of the world these days. And I channel the great mystic Howard Thurman when I ask this, how is it today with your soul? Well, it's definitely a multifaceted question, I think, um, because there's really a lot going on today, like in the world we're currently living, things that are happening, you know, with the global pandemic, the environment, um, a, a lot of different things. And I think, it's just a mixture of, um, you know, sadness, anger, definitely a lot of things that can, you know, evoke those emotions, especially when it comes to my indigenous brothers and sisters here in Turtle Island and, um, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, but also, I think there is still a lot of hope. Um, you know, there's people like yourself doing, you know, this amazing podcast to empower women and coaching women and, and myself sharing my indigenous cultures um, here in America. Oh, sorry. Okay. I'm going to, do you want me to start that? No, up? you're okay. You keep going. Okay. Now my phone is now on airplane mode. Um, okay. So back to where I was, you know, there's there's a lot of people like yourself, Sean, um, doing this you know, amazing podcast to really empower women and also coaching women and myself sharing my indigenous culture to aid in the decolonization process and really connect people back to 
who they are and their own indigeneity. And I know there are many others out there in the world doing similar work as we are through different vehicles, um, including our mutual friend Sonali, who we connected together with. Um, and here today because of so I you know I do have a lot of hope um, that you know collectively we can all make a profound and lasting difference in the world and really tackle some of these really really big you know global issues that we're now facing as mm. humanity. Oh, I love that yeah the light and the darkness I think that's what you just kind of summed up that yeah there's a lot of darkness but there's so much light too. And you're right, I am trying to shine some light on uh, people who are doing, women who are doing amazing things. So thank you for that. I love that soul share. Okay, so as you know, the show is called The Brave Yes, which explores the many brave yes leaps that heart-centered, passionate women take in order to show up more fully in this world as ourselves. And I always say without apology. Uh, and so usually, on this journey, the Brave Yes journey, we have a beginning, sort of a middle and an end. And that's what this show kind of gets into. So I'd like to start for your story uh, with starting your, your company, your, your dance and your, your language company about what was happening for you before. Uh, usually there is some sort of a, a catalyst moment uh, that triggers this like, hey, you know what? Maybe I can do this or maybe I should do this. So what, what was happening for you? What, what's your background? And, and then lead us up to that moment just before you started your company. Sure. Um, well, I grew up in Aotearoa, New Zealand. I um, grew up there with, in uh, one of the biggest cities in New Zealand called Auckland. And I was really, in a way, disconnected from my Maori culture because we lived in a predominantly white neighborhood. We went to private schools um, where the majority of, you know, the students were white. And um, so I was kind of grew up in a way disconnected from my culture. But the one thing that made a real difference for me was my mother who kept us connected to where she grew up, which was um, very rich in our culture. And her upbringing was a very indigenous upbringing. Uh, where they grew their own food, uh, they incorporated a lot of Māori rituals and practices into their everyday lives. And so she kept us connected through um, us visiting our nana in the north of the North Island of New Zealand. And so even though we did grow up in myself and my brother and sister in a predominantly white area, we were still connected through my mother and through our grandmother and visiting her. And then as well as that, my mother did put me into a full immersion preschool when I was very young, before I started going to <sighs> private schooling. And so um, I was, so I connected to my Māori, to my Māori culture kind of sporadically um, until high school, where I started learning the language. And um, at that time, I was going to an all-girls private Catholic high school. And they did not have Māori as a language option, even though we were, we were in New Zealand, which is Māori is the indigenous language of my people and us as Māori are the indigenous people of New Zealand. Um, but you know, the colonization and the history, um, like many indigenous peoples in the world, you know, our language and culture 
um, did go, go into a great decline and we almost, um, it was almost wiped out. And so my mum, now this was back in the 90s, my mum actually fought for me to learn Māori in my high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she, she literally had to fight for it. And I ended up doing it by correspondence. So it was myself and one other student. We would be in this really small room learning the Māori language by ourselves. And we would record um, on, you know, back in those days, it was the, the tapes, the, the cassettes, record out, um, you know, speaking in Māori with mail it and with our workbook and send it yes yeah in Wellington and so and then my school it it, they eventually started a kapahaka group after I'd been there which is a traditional Maori performing group after I'd been I'd been there a few years um and then I went on to study um the Maori language culture and performance at the University of Auckland and as well in my law degree I did Maori land law and so that really set me up um, for the work I do now. Um, but um, basically I, I decided to move to the States and follow my dream to be a hip hop dancer. And so I moved over here, I danced in the industry here in Los Angeles uh, for a few years, uh, for a number of years, you know, doing different things like music videos and shows and um, things related to hip hop dance. And then I got married and had kids and so that, again change the trajectory of my life and I think many mothers we all you know tend to recreate ourselves once we've had children and so you know that was really um, the moment for me when I was thinking you know I'm raising my kids now as a Maori woman but I'm raising them here on Turtle Island here in America on Tongva territory and I you know how can I how can I connect my kids to my culture when we're so far away from New Zealand? And so um, I met some other Māori who live here in LA and we started a performance group together. And that was a big turning point in terms of all of us connecting back to our culture and be able to join together to share our traditional songs and dances. And then uh, the following year, I started my language classes teaching the Māori language abroad to other New Zealanders who were living outside of New Zealand. Um, and so that's really that's really what started it. I think my first brave yes was coming to America um, by myself, not like I knew like one person to pursue a hip hop dance career. And the next brave yes was, you know, starting up our Māori cultural group and then stepping into teaching the language uh, to other Kiwis or New Zealanders living abroad. Yeah, definitely. So, and I want to go into a little bit more of, you know, what was life like for you? Because you're right, when moms have, when women have children, everything changes. We think it's, we think our lives are going to continue to be the exact same, but then we're in it. Because <laughs> I know when I, when I had my, I'm, I have twins. And when I had my girls, I thought, oh, I'm just going to keep working. Everything is going to be fine. Nothing's going to change. And that is not at all what happened. I had, you know, I have changed and, and recreated several times actually. And, but what I think what you're saying is that first of all, you probably wanted some flexibility, some freedom so that you could still be the mom, um, you know, which I guess dancing probably also allows for that. But then also you were feeling that disconnect happening from your own, from the Maori culture. So just t- what were, what was going on for you? Like, you know, what, 
what were you really hoping for in that time when you were like, you know, maybe this could be something. And also I was wondering like, how many are you, how many people are, are signing up, you know, to take the, the dance classes and, and learn this language? Cause I'm curious, you know, who you're, who you're targeting. Yeah, sure. Um, so, you know, I, I think, well, the shift definitely started once I had kids and, you know, I think, once you have kids, they do in a way become your whole world and they even act as like the source essentially of a, like your life and many, many of your life decisions. And so, you know, I was thinking, um, you know, after having kids, it did change my direction as well in terms of the LA, you know, hip hop dance industry because it no longer worked for me to be at auditions for like the whole the whole day these big auditions for really well-known artists and um, because I was always I always wanted to be a stay-at-home mom and you know raise my own kids and so I think what shifted was that you know as you said earlier Sean I'm finding something more flexible um, and also just starting to build something for myself uh, start my own business my husband had started a tutoring business um, years earlier and I had just been working on that with him but I got to a point in my life where I was like look I, I really want to have something that I'm building and I know they say when you're starting a business it's like it's like a third baby you know I've got my two girls now it's that's the third one in the room. <laughs> definitely yeah you, um, you know you're birthing the baby you, you know you're putting a lot into that and so um, it initially started with me just thinking like, okay, I've danced my whole life. I've taught dancing, mainly hip hop dancing. Um, you know, what else, what else am I good at? And I thought about going into law, but um, since I got my law degree in New Zealand and it's a different legal system over there based on the common law system, I have to just start over here in the US and, you know, go back to law school. And I was like, no, you know, I want to be at home. I want to be spending time with my kids. So um, I thought, well, I could I could teach the Maori language. That's something I'm good at. That's something, you know, I know how to do. And I'm pretty sure there's other people in my position where, you know, they're living abroad. They're wanting to connect back to Aotearoa, New Zealand um, in a more tangible way. Um, and this would be a perfect way for them to do that. Um, and then what also helped was there, there is a big Maori language movement going on back home and after you know 20 or 30 years um, there, there a lot of people where we're learning Maori now um, back in New Zealand and so there was also momentum and uh, for what was going on at home as well and so I actually just reached out to a few of our New Zealand community Facebook groups like New Zealanders in America or Kiwis in LA and I really just asked like hey is anyone interested in learning the Maori language and a few people responded. So I was like, great, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to start teaching Māori. And my first Te Reo Māori, Māori language course, was in June of 2018. And it was a group of 10 New Zealanders living in New York City. And they uh, Zoomed me in. Like I was on the big screen and they would all meet at an office there in New York. And we did an eight-week course in the Māori language. And... We were actually featured on national news in New Zealand because uh, for the week, uh, for Māori Language Week, because learning the Māori language outside of New Zealand was like something that like was not 
happening. Like it was kind of, no one was doing that. So we've made, yeah, the national news back home. Wow, I love that. Did you did you at any point have doubts about what you were doing or were you kind of like, yeah, this is, this is it? You know, I think for me, um, because as Māori, we believe in uh, that our ancestors are with us, they're guiding us and protecting us. And I know in other cultures, people say like, oh, I call them like maybe spiritual guides or, or spirit or there's different names. But as Māori, we, we relate to um, something might so, someone else in another culture might relate to. We, that's our ancestors speaking to us. So our ancestors, that all of our ancestors that have passed on our ancestors and our um, family line and our family genealogy. And so um, when I first, you know, had the idea, I was actually going into coaching for women of color and I had this fork in the road mo moment. And that was, this was definitely a braviest moment where I was like, you know, should I start coaching women of color, like life coaching, or should I teach the Maori language to learners living abroad and and I heard from my ancestors teach the Māori language so then I was like okay I'm gonna do that and so um because I really uh felt like like my ancestors had I heard them say that to me I was like okay this is what's gonna this is what's happening because I knew like they were behind that and if you know those who believe in that kind of you know ancestral connection or a spiritual guide sort of connection then you know you hear it you act on it and you know because you're acting on that um the word which is it's so much bigger than us here and now you know in the physical realm i i actually i didn't have any doubts like i knew it would you were carried forward yeah, because it was bigger than me and because, mm. yeah, it was like, this is what you need to do with me. I, I can't love that more because right now, I mean, it's it, this back then and, and now it's still very prominent for women to want to be coaches. So that was a very alluring field, uh, I'm sure. And so you probably, I, I, and yet you chose literally the road less traveled. <laughs> I've not traveled. I mean, you're, you're talking like in the bush, right? <laughs> yeah. The, the path through the bush. Um, so I love that. And what I talk a lot about in my coaching work, um, helping women kind of get to that place, what I call soul alignment, where what you're doing and what you believe and your your values are all in alignment and you are just in flow, in a life flow that you're not, you're not going off to a job that doesn't fit you. You're not wearing clothes that doesn't fit you. You're, you're not with people who don't fit you. Soul alignment is like, you're just, you are in this beautiful space of you getting to just be whole and complete. And it's so rare for women, I think, to really feel that. But it sounds like the, the road that you, the less road traveled that you chose is exact that like perfect fit for you because it is your culture and you are you know you get to combine that the uh the arts to it um so is that what it feels like for you now that you're you're just living your your best life <laughs> yeah yeah definitely i mean i'm i'm very grateful because it's such a it's such a niche business um i'm the only person 
teaching, you know, Maori language here in the US. And as far as I know, I'm the only Maori person outside of Australia and New Zealand, um, you know, teaching the language, the culture, our traditional dances, which are is the haka, our traditional war dance and the poi, and also cultural workshops. So, you know, I'm very grateful, you know, that because it's such a niche, there's like really hardly anyone um, who is sharing this. So, um, yeah, but I, it definitely does feel like it is that full alignment because um, another part of me, you know, launching my business, um, sharing the Maori culture abroad is because is that, um, it's it's just who I am. Like I am, I'm a Maori woman, and in that sense, it's actually a lot easier because if people like don't like that or you know don't want don't want to do that, that's totally fine. But for me, like I'm I'm just fully being who I am. Like I'm a Maori woman, and this is just me sharing who I am and my identity, and so it's made it easier because it's never had me question anything since it's really just who I am. Yeah. So do you still dance? I do like here and there in terms of like hip hop dance. Like I, I dance a lot with my kids. So you do like dance parties in the lounge. Um, but now most of the dancing I do is cultural dancing. So mm -hmm. it is like haka workshops, teaching the poi. Um, it's more cultural dance, but I do dance just for myself for enjoyment. Um, is it inappropriate for a white person to take like the haka dance classes or are you open to that? So I have actually a lot of American people, a lot, actually people from all different cultures who want to learn the haka. Um, the, the haka is a traditional war dance. It was made famous by our national rugby team, the All Blacks. Yeah. Um, but it's become very popular global because a lot of haka videos on YouTube and social media have gone viral. And so people really want to experience the haka because they've seen it and they can really feel that um, the ancestral power behind it, that raw energy, that fierce-like nature, and, you know, the warrior nature of the dance. Um, and it also has a deeply spiritual part to it as well. And so mm. I found that, yeah, a lot of um, Americans and people from all over like to learn the haka. I've also worked with like corporate companies here who have done haka. It's like team building and um, to, you know, for full self-expression. So we've gone in and done haka for these really big corporate conferences and different parts. That would be great to see. <laughs> It's been a lot of fun and you know it's always it, for the for most people it's their first time ever in their life doing haka so it, it really is an experience for them um so yeah it's it's open to everyone uh, the the one thing I do say in all of my workshops though is that haka is specifically um it's you know from our Maori culture it is one of our sacred dances and so I think it's okay for people who are not Maori to learn the haka but only Maori should be teaching the haka Ah, yes, that makes sense. Absolutely. Yes, I have been in awe of watching videos of Haka over the, because the warrior, uh, you know, there's just always something about the warrior and that there is something very spiritual when you, when you watch them. So I'm, I mean, I'm always drawn to that. Anybody who's that moved, right? That's, I'm just always drawn to that. So what has this, I, I want to talk a little bit about, you, you mentioned birthing 
a business. Uh, and I just, I love that because I'm, I'm kind of in, I've been kind of in that birthing mode of this kind of new business for me. And I, I love creating. I mean, I just, the whole birthing of a creative thing <laughs> is just like my favorite part of being a business owner because I'm a creator. So did you have a lot of ideas when you first started out and have you been able to take those ideas and run with them? And do you still have more ideas that you want to, to do? Yes, definitely. I, I always have a lot of ideas um, So for my business. So, you know, I initially started, you know, we, we created our performance group, our tra traditional performance group. And that really then created, in, in a way, a platform for me to then launch my um, language side of the business, which was, you know, teaching Māori language abroad. Um, then the year later, that's when I started teaching the haka workshops, and then I got into teaching poi workshops and cultural workshops. So it's kind of snowballed from there. Um, so I've been going about two and a half years now with Learn Māori Abroad. And at the moment, I have about 60 students. I'm running four classes. Um, who are all over the world in the UK, Europe, here in America, Australia, New Zealand, Korea, Japan, Singapore. So learners from all over the globe, uh, we come together and, you know, um, I offer an eight-week course learning the Māori language. And um, so the next part that I'm working on for my business, uh, my next ideas are, um, you know, training others to teach. So I'm currently training two of my assistants to take on teaching my beginner level course. I also just brought on another Maori guy. He's a fluent native speaker living in Canada. And so he's going to be now running courses um, to help learners speak in Te Reo Maori, the Maori language. So, and then I have another um, woman who I've brought on. She's in Japan and she's you know, running, going to be running the children's classes. So we really, oh. we're really expanding um, the business because there is a real need for um, people just to connect back to our language and our culture. I think, you know, as Maori who live abroad, it's, we're coming at it from a different place. It's really us connecting back to our, our identity and healing the generational trauma um, from, you know, our ancestors being um, physically punished for speaking Māori in schools. Um, so that was my grandma's generation. So then my mother grew up without learning the language because my grandmother never spoke to her. And back in those days, it was thought that, you know, the the white way is the right way. And, um, you know, as an effect of colonization. But my mother went back to university to learn the language. And then she fought for me to learn the language. And now I speak Māori to my my two girls, age four and eight, and so. And, and you're tell and you're teaching it to hundreds of others. Take yeah. that, take that, right? Yeah. <laughs> you will not oppress us. We will rise, right? I mean, I think that's what's so beautiful is that that I was going to ask you about. I mean, what does it feel like for you to to? I mean, to resurrect this language, but not just the language; it's the culture the identity, um, how does that feel for you? I mean, that must feel so good. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like, honestly, I feel like overwhelmed with joy. Like it's, it's like truly amazing after, you know, everything my ancestors went through and, um, you know, the really 
just you know colonization on all of the indigenous people of, of the world um for us in new zealand it was the british and you know our language and culture almost being wiped out as well as many of our people by you know the foreign diseases that were introduced to the maori to us as maori so yeah it's it's huge it's a really it's a really big deal and you know i think i haven't actually even fully wrapped my mind around the gravity of it but you know i know it's creating healing um not only you know for me and my family but for maori people living everywhere like it's really it, yeah it flies in the face of colonization and it's us reclaiming our indigeneity uh, through learning our language that was you know taken away by force from our ancestors so it's a really big deal for us as Māori and then I think also for New Zealanders um, who are they're non-Māori but they're from New Zealand it's awesome for them too because they're getting connected more to um, you know the Indigenous people of the land that they lived on or they grew up on and then I also have people who are you know they're not from New Zealand they're not Māori they just love the Polynesian culture or you know they they want to learn another language and they love New Zealand you know I have like a German student and he he visited New Zealand and so he just wants to learn the language it's like his you know, fourth language um so yeah it's people from all over coming together just to you know connect over the language and the culture and yeah, it, it, you know, it's, it's huge. And I still am kind of, yeah, getting used to that idea myself. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's very powerful. And I'm wondering, imagine what your daughters are going to do, because look at how hard your mom fought for you and what the outcome of that is for you, that you are a model. I mean, you're truly modeling. Uh, what it means to empower people and now I'm just wondering what's going to happen for your girls like what are they going to do that's pretty amazing to think about if there is someone listening uh, first of all I also um, if it's possible for you to speak in some Maori I would love to hear it because uh, I, I would just like to know what you're talking about um, but so let's make sure that that happens before we end here today. <laughs> and then also, what um, if somebody is listening and they are thinking, you know, I want to take that tr that path that is, you know, if they're if they're at that fork in the road, like you talked about, where they, you know, they're thinking of something that's really like this is what I should do, and this seems like the most prestigious thing to do, or I can do this thing that I love that feels like me, that fits me like a glove. What's your advice to them? That's a great question, Sean. You know, my, my main advice to them would be to believe in yourself. Like, it's amazing what, what we as women can do. It's amazing what just one woman can do. And I really think that, you know, we're not often raised to really harness our full sacred power as women and express that in the world. And so, you know, I went to law school because, you know, um, my mom said to me, look, just go and get a degree. And once you've got your degree, then you can do what you want to do. And in fact, her saying that was a product of colonization because 
her grandfather, yes. my great grandfather was the paramount chief of our village. And he had told her that education is the way forward for our people, specifically a white education in a yes. you know, university or, or a school. And so, um, you know, she actually apologized to me for making me like go to university. Um, but at that point, I was so understanding of like the impact of colonization directly on my life that I, I was like, of course, when I forgive you, that's totally fine. And so, yeah, so even that has been a journey. But, you know, so I really, um, I think, you know, for my kids, I've already decided like they can do whatever they want because I'm really big on seeing women um, feeling fully empowered to really be fully expressed in who they are and really follow their dreams and their passions. So I think believing in yourself is number one. And then you do have to put in the work. Like I, I put in a lot of work, you know, building, uh, you know, building up my Facebook group, getting the word out there, promoting. So it is a lot of work, especially when you're um, going down a road less traveled, like <laughs> I was, like literally the only one really carving out the road. Um, but it's, it's totally worth it for what happens on the other side. And, you know, when you're really giving people like the opportunity to be immersed in something that was not even available before like there's really nothing like that and in, in fact you're changing the history yeah. so yeah it's it's totally it's a hundred percent worth it to um see something that historically wasn't possible now being possible for people yes Ooh, that was powerful thank you <laughs> i love that Yes, that was so beautiful. You said so much there that I'm just like, yes, thank you. So it's that time in the podcast where I will ask you um, the same questions that I ask all of my guests. And these are just quick, quick answers. You don't have to overthink them. Just have fun with it. So first one, what does brave yes mean to you? So, um, so in my, in the Māori culture, we have something called tino rangatira tanga, and it translates in English as absolute sovereignty. So it's mm -hmm. having, so a braviest to me is having the courage to, to step into your tino rangatira tanga, your absolute sovereignty as a woman and to play full out and allow yourself to be fully self-expressed because it's not only a gift to you, but it is a gift to the world. Yes. Ooh, you are so good. Thank you. Goodness, I love that. Ooh, that again, like that sovereignty. Yes, yes, absolutely. Okay. Favorite life adventure that you have already experienced, and I'm sure that, you know, it could be anything because you've had a big, big, busy life, and then a future life experience that you would like to have, you know, once the world starts to cooperate a bit more. Great. Um, well, for me, one of my most favorite life experiences has been homeschooling my kids here in, on Tongva territory here in Los Angeles. Um, when I started homeschooling, it really opened up my worldview around 
what's really out there and how much the education system is just another product of colonization. Um, my girls, they're, they're Maori, they're also Native American and also Black American. And so we chose from the beginning not to put them in the schooling system here because the schooling system isn't built for, for POC, for pe people of color, especially um, for, for us as a black family. And so um, by venturing into the homeschool world, it's had me learn about unschooling, de-schooling, and these um, really different methodologies of teaching our children. And it's been great for me because it's also been part of my journey to align me back to how my ancestors, you know, taught us how we learned. And it was always from exposure, just being around it, um, you know, copying. Um, there was never really these like structured things like there is in school, although there was a level of structure where people would gather and really learn through talking. And so um, that's really been an amazing adventure that my kids and I have been on. You know, we're in um, POC um, homeschooling communities here in Los Angeles. And people are, you know, they're unschooling for black liberation, they're unschooling for decolonization. So it's a very exciting movement. Um, I also started a group for families who homeschool, um, who are parents of black children. So that's another really great and important space for our black kids to be around kids that look like them and for the parents to discuss, you know, certain issues that come up and affect black children. But that's really been a wild ride for me, um, going down the path of unschooling, de-schooling, homeschooling, and really just breaking through all these systems that, you know, we, we relive in. Yeah, so needed. I mean, it really is so needed. And it does, I know a lot of families who are starting to do that as well. And it makes you wonder where, again, like where are these kids going to end up, you know, 10, 20 years from now? What is this world going to look like because of women and moms like you who are, I mean, talk about carving out a whole, I mean, that's another just birthing, right? Birthing a whole new way to raise children. Yeah, it's amazing. Thank you. Okay, what's your future life experience then? So my future life experience is I want to write a book and it's going to be a book about my mother. So my, so I'm envisioning, excuse me, <coughs> sorry, sorry. It's okay. I'm envisioning the title to be my Maori mother um, because my mother did grow up in a very indigenous way. And so, um, and with her grandfather being the paramount chief of our, our tribe and our village, she is still connected to a lot of indigenous wisdom and ancestral wisdom that I really think could benefit the world at large. So I wanna write a book about her life and sharing that traditional wisdom so it can be available um, for anyone and everyone because I really think a lot of the solutions to the problems we're facing today the solutions can be found in indigenous indigenous wisdom and going back to how we as indigenous people lived and lived in harmony with the planet, with each other and with our ancestors in the spiritual realm. Yes. Yes. I'm reading, I'm reading a book that actually kind of gets into that a little bit of that through Native American uh, with the plants and yeah, beautiful. I love that concept. Can't wait to read it. Okay. 
Next question. What is a recent book that you've read that has inspired you or that you love, or it could be a movie? I really love The Artist's Way. I think that is such a wonderful, powerful book for anyone and everyone. I think it, everyone is creative. Everyone can dance, everyone can sing. And then, you know, the systems and colonization come along and say, no, you're only a dancer if you can dance at this level. You're only sing if you can sing like this. And it's, it's all totally untrue. And so I, yeah, I think the artist's way um, is great for anyone who wants to connect back to their creativity, you know, to start kind of digging into that. Um, because I really think, you know, again, a lot of our world's problems can also be solved from creativity, you know, and yeah. thinking outside the box. So I think that's a great book for anyone um, to read. Mm, yes, I'm a big fan of that as well. Do my morning pages every day. <laughs> Okay, last question. Who is someone you admire for their courage and authenticity? You know, for this, I would have to say that it's my mother um, because she has been through a lot in her life. Um, you know, she has a family. She was raised in a very large Maori family of 14 brothers and sisters. And she, you know, was quote unquote a mother in the sense that she was raising her younger siblings when she was about 12 or 13. So um, she's, she's traveled, she's lived abroad, she's traveled, she traveled for 11 years. Um, and so she really is my, um, <clears throat> my inspiration and my motivation. She's, you know, really the reason why I am doing everything I am doing today with the Maori culture and sharing it abroad. So Oh, my mom. Sounds like it. And so I would imagine you stay, you stay in touch with her pretty often. Yeah, I definitely do. Um, you know, FaceTime and just over, you know, video chat. She's always keeping her updated about, you know, myself and her, her grandkids over here. So Excellent. Wonderful. Your story is so powerful and your words so wise. Thank you so much. How can our listeners learn more about you? Where's the best place for them to connect with you and your work and to learn more about the Maori culture and dance and language? Well, um, I'd love to connect with anyone who is interested in learning more about Maori culture, the Maori language, our traditional dances. My website is www.learnmaoriabroad.com. I'm also on social media, uh, Learn Maori Abroad on Instagram and also Facebook. And I also have a community group um, called the Learn Maori Abroad Community Chat on Facebook. Um, and so if you are interested in learning about the Maori language, anyone is welcome to join. You know, we post um, different things in Maori and English in that group. And it's a great way just to connect and engage in the Maori language and connect with other learners all over the world. Beautiful. Love it. Okay. Excellent. And we always put the link um, to, in the show notes as well as the blog post. So everybody will make sure that they'll know how to find you for sure. Thank you so much, Amelia. I just love this whole interview um, and, and your courageousness to share your brave yes. Well, Mahi, Sean, thank you so much for having me. Um, would, would you like me to share something in the Maori language 
for us. Yes, thank you. Tihei Māori ora. Ko te mea tuatahi ngā mihinui ki te tangata whenua o ēnei whenua. Tēnā koutou. Ko te mea tuarua ngā mihinui ki o tātou tīpuna. Tēnā koutou. Ko te mea tuatoru ngā mihinui ki tēnei whare. Tēnā koe a ko te mea tuatā ngā mihinui ki a koutou katoa. Nō reira, tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou katoa. Um, so what I said, uh, so the first thing I said was I acknowledge the Indigenous peoples of the lands we're on. Um, so as, as an Indigenous woman, as Indigenous Māori, I acknowledge and stand with my Native American brothers and sisters as the rightful owners of these lands. Um, the second thing I did was I acknowledged our tūpuna, our ancestors, so that's everyone who's passed on, everyone who's gone before us. Um, we acknowledge them, that they're with us here right now in the space. The third thing I acknowledge was this bare, this house, although it's different these days, it's Zoom. So acknowledging Zoom because um, Zoom is the platform that Sean and I are connecting, we're gathering today. And then the last thing I acknowledge was you, Sean, and everyone listening, ngā mihinui ki a koutou katoa, acknowledging you all, uh, thank you for being here, thank you for listening and being part of our podcast today. Oh, that is so beautiful. Thank you. That I, I, It's an honor to be in space with you. Thank you, Sean. Thank Likewise. you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Brave Yes. I really hope that you enjoyed it. And I also hope that you are starting to pick up on the subtle and not so subtle inner and outer resources that you need to help you walk your own Brave Yes journey. If you're interested in exploring more resources to help you on your journey, sign up for the Brave Yes newsletter so you are the first to learn about upcoming courses and master classes on finding your purpose, planning out your Brave Yes, and other ways of being in community with other Brave Yes leaders and creatives and business owners. 